Welcome to the Lemper Report Live. Wait, very special announcement starting next week, January 17th. We're moving. We're moving from Thursdays to Mondays at 11.30 a.m. Pacific, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Why are we doing this? Well, you told us that Monday would be a better time for you so that more people can tune in. So don't forget, starting next Monday, January 17th, same place, but different day, different time. We'll be at 11.30 a.m. Pacific and 2.30 p.m. Eastern. And I hope that this schedule works out better for you. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at yet another celebrity brand of CBD, of course, and the CBD troubles that lay ahead. Kroger's new ghost kitchen concept, the retail and food service label struggle, your brain on sugar and the impact of falling milk consumption. Now, today on the Lemp Report, we're going to take a look at the forecast for meat alternatives and in bullseye, a dismal attempt at making one of America's favorite drinks. You're not going to want to miss that. Sally, let's get started. Hi, Phil. Cannabis is having a big moment right now. 18 states have now legalized cannabis and uh, Cheech Marin is getting in on the game here. <laughs> he's he's created his own line of stoner food um, that is a virtual brand that will be for delivery only. Yeah, and, it, and it's called Munchichos. I'm not sure I would say that that was a great brand name. Uh, but as you said, they're going to be running it out of ghost kitchens uh, throughout the country for delivery only. And uh, it's not just one product. They've got a whole menu uh, product, uh, dope dumplings, chicken and scallion fried dumplings, munchichos, munchachos, which is a decadent barbecue chicken mac and cheese nacho, the hybrid, which is a salty and sweet grilled cheese with Gouda, Brie, Cheddar, Gruyere, sliced apple, and a salted caramel drizzle. And they're also going to have CBD-infused edibles and a selection of vegan options. Um, so here's my problem. I think that CBD, first of all, I think CBD has a lot of problems. I think it also has a lot of benefits. But And I happen to like um, Cheech. Uh, Marin, I, th I think very funny comedian, having grown up in the 70s when when he and um, Chong were, you know, were together and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I like it, but I think this makes a joke out of CBD. And now we don't need a joke out of CBD. And one of the reasons for that is uh, Leaf Report. Uh, just released a study um, yesterday, I guess, that over half of CD, CBD products are mislabeled. Uh, only 40% matched the strength, and many contain the wrong type of CBD. Um, what they found, they tested 221 products, 35 CBD oils, 40... Um, 40 topical products, 40 edible products, 22 beverages, 55 pet products, 29 coffee and tea products. And what they found uh, was that 28% of products received the worst grade F for having CBD levels that differed from the label by more than 30%. On average, CBD content of the products were off by the label nearly 25%. You know, this doesn't do anything good for this industry when all these questions keep on coming up. 
Yeah, I have to wonder also about the health implications of, and although I also am, I am pro um, CBD for medical conditions to be used that way. Um, but while people are working from home, um, CBD is more popular. They're ordering more food. Um, I'm just imagining people sitting at home, getting high and ordering really bad food. <laughs> really bad food. And also, I want to say probably about two years ago, um, someone sent us in for a product review, some CBD um, topical ointments, and I actually shared some with Tony, um, who, who's always complaining about having back issues. Um, and, and at the time, sorry, Tony, and at the, and at the time, um, I, I tested it. I tried it. I, I put some, you know, on my back and it actually gave me a headache. And then what I did is I looked and the level of CBD that was in this, and I don't recall what percentage it was, was just so high. I mean, I wanted my back to feel better and I got a headache. So I think that until the federal government can really get on top of this and, um, you know, and, and Senator Schumer has introduced legislation um, to really control CBD products until we get that. Um, it's the Wild West. And I don't think that, you know, Cheech getting into this business really helps matters much. What else? Um, we got a lot to talk about with Kroger. Yeah. Let, let's start talking about Kroger. Yeah, so um, the the ghost kitchens, uh, as you know, Cheech was an, a great example here. The ghost kitchens are a big trend right now, and Kroger is um, has just opened up their first location at our Ralph's in Los Angeles that um, now will have ten different brands um, as ghost kitchen delivery delivery food only. And what's interesting to me is, you know, this is the next iteration of grocerants. Um, when we started to look at what grocerants were doing, where retailers were putting in restaurants, hey, we've got a labor problem. I'm going to get to that in a second, Kroger. Uh, we, you've got a real big labor problem, <laughs> um, I got to tell you. But besides that, um, what we find is this whole idea of ghost kitchens and supermarkets not running them, but having these other other companies run them, um, I think is really a good idea. And when we look at the assortment of what Kroger has done, and I have it here somewhere, um, it's really interesting and, and really something that I think will um, will work for both the retailer and these independent people who are you know creating these ghost kitchens. So that's first. So another study came out from the LA Times, and this covered um, only Cal Southern California, Colorado, and Washington. And what they did is they surveyed more than 10,000 Kroger workers, and they found that more than two-thirds of them are struggling to afford food. 14% of the Kroger workers are homeless now or have been during the last year. Three quarters of them are food insecure, um, which is seven times the rate of food insecurity in the general population. 14% of Kroger workers report getting food stamps or food from a food bank. Um, this is some serious problems. And um, also, one other point, and then let's discuss this, because I know you've got some personal experiences with mm -hmm. this at your local Kroger. Adjusting for inflation, wages for the most experienced Kroger food clerks, the most experienced, have declined between 11 and 22 percent across these regions since 1990. Uh, before I let you talk, 
Also, let's not forget right now, there's a strike going on in King Supers. Um, in the Denver area, more than 8,000 Kroger workers went on strike yesterday. Um, and well, well, you talk about your experience, then I'm going to get back to this. Yes. Well, I mean, first first of all, Phil, Kroger made a lot of money uh, recently <laughs> from, yeah. from what we understand. Um, their profits are up. And I think that this is this is really something that they should be taking a look at with their employees. We have here at I have a Kroger that is less than a mile from my house and and then another one that is a, a few miles away. And both of these Kroger's um, have people that are homeless working as baggers and uh, people that are bringing in the carts there. And, you know, they do a great job and they're, they show up to work every day, but they cannot afford a place to live. And I can't imagine working in a grocery store and bagging up food for other people that you couldn't afford to buy yourself. I know it, it's ter terrible. And if I look at this strike of what's going on, um, it's amazing to me. And Typically, I like Kroger. I like Kroger's operations. Mm -hmm. I like Kroger's people. But this is way out of hand. Um, what they're asking for, what the union is working for, um, is $16 an hour. So what they're asking, more health care benefits, uh, starting pay of $16 an hour. What's so important on this is that Kroger is spending $18 an hour for replacement workers um, at, at these stores that are on strike. They've hired temporary staff. They're paying them more than what the union is asking for, for $16 an hour. Um, what they've also done is they're reducing delivery fees to a dollar for orders that are worth over $35 to try to push people into that. It was announced yesterday that Kroger is also rolling out in Houston another test. This is their third test for autonomous vehicle delivery. Um, so I think it's time that we really transform the retail experience because this doesn't work. It doesn't work for Kroger. It doesn't work for the employees. And it's not just about money. Um, that we're talking about and having this strike taking place right now to me is really dangerous because what we're finding is so many of these supermarket workers are have had it with um, customers complaining, with, with everything that's going on. And as a result of it, um, they're just leaving. They're leaving mid-shift. And we have this labor shortage in supermarkets. We've got empty shelves taking place. We've got customers that are saying, what's going on? And I think for Kroger, um, they, they really made a mistake on this one. I think they, they need to be called out and you don't pay people, temporary workers more than your regular employees, because if you don't have your regular employees, you're out of business. And we look at those retailers who are terrific retailers who take care of their staff, folks like Wegmans. And, and I always point to Wegmans where they have a very low turnover. They don't have these labor issues. They train their people. They care about their people. We need to get back to that. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So Kroger, pay attention. You, you, you need to get your act together. What else do we got, Sally? 
Phil, there's some there's some more bad news about sugar. Um, according to studies, uh, sugar is causing um, cognitive deficits in adulthood. Um, the, the scientists are looking at um, how a lot of sugar affects the amygdala, which is this part of your brain that controls emotional processes. And they're finding that it is um, causing anxiety and fear and mental illnesses. Um, and beyond that, in, in youth, and it's causing um, learning issues. Yeah, I mean, all these studies keep on telling us anything in excess, whether it's sugar or sodium or fat, you know, this isn't good. And we need to get these studies in English so that the average American consumer can can understand it. And having this strong relationship between high sugar consumption and altered behaviors and poor emotional regulation, I mean, the science is clear. So we just need to, to do this in a much smarter way. And as we're talking about sugar, uh, one of the things that the whole milk industry has been pushing on for years is having sugar-laden milks as a way to turn around their decline, um, whether it's chocolate milk, whether it's strawberry milk. They talked about and tested carbonated milk for a long time. Um, obviously, we as consumers are not buying into that. But if I take a look at what's gone on with milk, it's declined um, over 40 percent um, over the last 40 years. And when I think back to 1979, the average per capita gallons per year of whole milk was 17.4. And in 2019, it's 5.7, less than a third of what it was back in, in 1979. And when we look at the data, and yes, I am prejudiced. My grandfather was a dairy farmer. I grew up drinking milk. I still drink milk. I think it's one of our most nutritious and healthiest foods that are out there. What we need is we need essentially to stop this um, and, and really for the milk industry to wake up and for consumers to wake up to understand that this is one of our healthiest foods. Yes, we, we definitely have milk in our house. Our, my children love to drink milk. They always have. And what's interesting to me as, as a kid, I always wanted that chocolate milk at school. I loved it. But my kids will not touch chocolate milk. And, um, or, and, and, and they, they don't like the milk that they serve at school. They only like a specific, the specific organic 2% milk um, that I get at Kroger. And it's so interesting to me, if it has even a hint of a sweetness to it, they don't like it. Uh, but they, but they definitely love to drink milk. And, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of people switching, switching to plant protein milks, um, which uh, is a big trend for the year. I know oat milk specifically is like, is yes. a standout, standout product right now. Um, but yeah, I think we, I think we do have to um, continue to remind people that, you know, that we need that calcium. Absolutely. Um, what, and what's so interesting is, you know, milk has naturally occurring sugars uh, from the cow uh, that's in there. So it does have a little touch of sweetness mm -hmm. uh, built into it already. Uh, but I'm curious the why, why your kids, you know, don't like chocolate milk. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not sure, except maybe I've just done a good job not giving him a lot of sugar. <laughs> yeah, you know? you're right, you're right. Maybe, maybe that's why. Um, no, we, we don't eat a lot of processed foods. Maybe that's why oh. they just don't have the, their taste buds are not, um, haven't adapted to high sugar foods. Yeah. Um, but I like chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really good. I used to, I grew up on, I guess I shouldn't say that, but Nestle's Quick. You know, the, the, oh, yes, yes. I used to, uh -huh. I used to make myself. Okay, yes. <laughs> well, let, let's move on away from milk. And it's time for the Lemper Report. So today on the Lemper Report, we're going to explore the intersection of plant-based and comfort foods. Over the past few years, industry leaders like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods has made significant headway into pushing their meat alternatives on menus. Everything from fast food chains to school cafeterias to white tablecloth restaurants. Now, the question continues to be whether food service or retail will be the biggest opportunity for the category. Some say both, but I, for one, am betting on the food service sector post-pandemic for a number of reasons. The first one, it's all about taste. While the plant-based brands all tout how delicious they are, the truth, based on the varieties that I've tasted so far, and I've tasted a lot, is that there's a skill that our home cooks need to master in order to prepare these foods properly. A great grill master who may be able to cook great burgers and steaks and even fish often struggles with meat alternatives. Second is that in many cases, not all, these foods would do well with a chef's touch for spices and sauces. Their taste is different, and we will need to nudge the consumer's taste buds just a bit to have them accept these alternatives. And lastly, while many of these proclaim how beneficial they are for the environment, and they're trying to cater to the more earth-friendly shopper, hey, a quick read of the ingredients, some that smack in the face of the nutritional profile that these diehards demand, send them running from the meat case. Food service satisfies many of these issues and can serve as the training wheels for this important and growing category. To learn more about plant-based, join our partner, the Food Institute, for their 2022 Outlook of Plant-Based and Next-Gen Protein next Tuesday, January 18th at 2 p.m. Eastern. To register for this important webinar, just go to foodinstitute.com, scroll down a bit, and you'll go to the events and sign up. We'll be there as well. Now it's time for the bullseye. The first and only time that I tasted this cocktail was in Bogota, Colombia. I remember the trip vividly. I was at the convention center, a beautiful and ornate building with flowing arches and intricate carvings located on 7th Avenue. That's their city's distant cousin to New York's 5th Avenue. The occasion was a food industry event, of course, and during the cocktail hour, I asked for a margarita. Hey, I was south of the border and expected one of the best margaritas I've ever tasted. Instead, I was given a drink that was half gold tequila. Yes, you remember that gold tequila, the stuff that gave us all headaches in college. That's half corn syrup. And then they mixed it with Fresca, Coke's infamous diet, sort of grapefruit brand. Let me start out by saying what your taste buds are now imagining. Yeah, it was terrible. So I was a bit shocked to read that Coca-Cola has teamed up with Constellation Brands, one of the world's leading spirits and tequila and brand companies, to launch a line, to launch a line of Fresca-baked cocktails. 
while they didn't share the varieties just yet. They've stated that the Freshka mixes will be a new distinctive line of spirits, based ready-to-drink cocktails. Distinctive for sure. And unless they have a brilliant mixologist at the helm, I shudder to think about doing a taste test. Maybe it's just to offset Pepsi's Boston Beer Venture to launch a hard Mountain Dew. But I have to ask the question, do we need any of these on our store shelves? A 2017 study published in the journal Stroke found that diet sodas lead to a higher risk of dementia. The study kept track of over 1,400 people over the age of 60 for a 10-year period and found that those who drank diet soda every day, compared to those who drank it less than once a week, were three times more likely to develop dementia. The study did not only look at dementia, but also at the stroke risk that comes with regularly drinking diet soda and found similar results. For this one, researchers kept track of 2,888 people aged 45 and over for that same 10-year period. They found that those who drank at least one diet soda a day were also about three times more likely to have a stroke called by blood vessel blockage. I guess it's possible that the tequila might offset the risk, but I still question the likelihood of success. After all, taste does matter. So, Sally, let's go to some questions. Well, we don't have any questions, but we do have an interesting comment from John Pandall, who says that, you know, cheese and butter consumption is up, even though milk is down. So people are eating their uh, their dairy instead of um, drinking it. And it is interesting, Phil, because, you know, you asked me the other day to see if I could find a correlation between milk consumption and calcium um, intake. And I couldn't really find that, but I did find that, um, that people are, that calcium intake is, is increasing over the past, um, few years. And also I found that approximately one quarter of individuals take a multi or single ingredient supplement containing calcium on a given day. So. Yeah. And, and John points out, you know, if we look at our, our cheese consumption, which is going through the roof, continues mm-hmm. to go through the roof. Yes. No question. We're getting our calcium from cheese. Hopefully it's not, you know, processed cheese food, but mm-hmm. the cheese, uh, natural cheeses, number one. Uh, but number two, drink your milk. You know, milk is, is a good satisfying beverage. And all the studies that have come out also for those people who want to lose weight, drinking milk helps satisfy that urge to eat more. Um, so keep on drinking the milk. My grandfather would be proud. And thank you. Uh, so thanks all for joining us. Don't forget, starting Monday, January 17th, we'll be here. We're switching days and we're going to be at 11.30 a.m. Pacific, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget to go to supermarketguru.com and sign up for our newsletters. Until then, have a great weekend.